Welcome to the Dugout Coalition. We've got the crew, the squad back intact in here. Uh, I'm super excited. One, first of all, it's great to have you guys back and, and see your faces again because all of your ex-teammates, coaches, um, people that we've had tons of years together with, we've got um, so much knowledge in this room, so many guys who have not only played for but coached under some really good programs, some really good head coaches, and some really good people in the game today in college baseball, all doing their thing all across the board. It's amazing that uh, where baseball can take you from great friendships to seeing your buddies, some of your best friends go off to these different programs and inspire a bunch of athletes and continue their development in the coaching specter, um, being able to impact the athletes in a different way. I think it's amazing what's going on. I'm super excited for this a little roundtable action, getting in some different topics uh, this week, mainly just kicking off some intros, introducing you to these guys, where they're from, what they do, uh, who they've coached for, who they played for, and how they've stayed afloat in the game of baseball as a college coach today. As we know, it's really tough with the funding aspect of things. We can get in that real brief, kind of touch on that. And then leadership, like what makes a good leader? How do you implement leadership into your program? What does that look like, et cetera? Kind of hitting on that leadership aspect, I think is big for any team to experience good leadership uh, overall. So uh, I'm gonna start down the line. First, I'll introduce everybody real briefly. We got Cameron McMullen, Chapman University, Ray McIntyre, University of San Diego. We got Michael Bradshaw, BYU, and then Jake Wister over in Umpqua Community College uh, down Southern Oregon. Um, all across the board, this is awesome seeing a bunch of old friends and teammates doing their thing. So we'll get into it. Cam, I want you to introduce yourself, kind of introduce yourself, where you played, um, where you coach, what's your role at Chapman, and, and kind of get into that aspect. Can everyone hear me? That work okay? All right. I appreciate it, Biles. Um, for those who don't know, Cam McMullen, I'm the recruiting coordinator at Chapman University. Uh, we're a Division three school in Orange County. A little bit of background. I played at the University of Massachusetts. Wanted to experience growing up in Huntington Beach, California, where I could get away and figure there's only a few states farther away than Massachusetts. So that was a good jumping off point for me. Uh, when I finished playing, I spent a year doing my master's degree at USC, finished that and got my first coaching position at Irvine Valley Community College. Awesome opportunity to start recruiting, get to try some things out, get to put a lot of things that you pick up along the way into practice. From there, did uh, a couple summers of, in Alaska, New England, a uh, little bit all over trying to get as many different experiences as I can so as a younger coach. From there, got hooked on at the University of Nevada, where got to know most of uh, most of you guys. For four years, it was as the director of baseball operations, so a lot more administrative stuff, kind of working with our coaches to, um, you know, handle recruiting, compliance, those sorts of things. And it was an awesome opportunity to get to see all that goes into, you know, being a head coach at that level and not really getting to, um, you know go a traditional way. So it was really cool to get to see a lot of things that I didn't even really know existed. Uh, that led to an opportunity to work as a, a teaching assistant as well while I finished my, uh, my PhD. So that kind of allowed a little bit of both to continue both on the field and off the field. After that, spent one year as a volunteer assistant at Nevada. That's where I, I switched after to, to Chapman. The first experience at Chapman was a little bit more, I'd say, routine, kind of third assistant, just working with the infielders, getting to really kind of learn the first stages of recruiting, things along those lines. 
um, you know, from there had an opportunity to present itself at the University of Puget Sound up in Washington as the associate head coach. And that was kind of the first crack at a lot of the, the bigger picture things that go into being a head coach. So it was getting to run an offense, getting to, um, you know, put together a recruiting plans, start to experience some things that admittedly I had never experienced before. So it was a really cool opportunity. And Austin, that's where we were able to, you know, do some things as far as the, the team building, the culture building, a lot of the things that you're doing with MLU. Um, so it was a really cool experience that way. And, uh, you know, a couple months later in the chaotic way that coaching works, had the opportunity to come back to Chapman as the recruiting coordinator. And, uh, you know, that's where I am now. And hopefully the next step is as a head coach. But it's uh, it's something that I can dive into again throughout the, the podcast. But there's certainly a lot of other uh, experiences here as well. So it's a, it's a pretty chaotic path, but it's led back to exactly where, you know, we all want it to be. So. I'm excited and look forward to it. Yeah, Cam, you've done incredible things, dude. And to be able to, like, obviously playing under you at Nevada, and you're more of like the big bro for us. We go in the dungeon, which for those of you who don't know the dungeon, you're probably like, dude, what do you guys say in the dungeon? Like, that's where we just crush the weights, dude. Like, you get in there, you hit the weights, you go hard, you have some fun. Uh, the pitchers are always back there, unfortunately. Shaw, sorry about it. Wilkins just joined us. Not a fan. But um, sure. <laughs> I'm just playing. Shut up. But, no, getting back there and, and being able to just see your work ethic, see what you've done, and then obviously going up to the University of Puget Sound and witnessing it do more of like a full in-charge role with the infielders, with the hitters, and the processes that you're implementing, the leadership that you were giving to them. It was incredible, dude, and I loved it, and your work ethic's been amazing. I mean, you guys, every one of you guys, will get into that stuff eventually, but your work ethic's unreal how hard you guys work, how long you're at the field, so that was freaking cool to see, dude, so... Appreciate you being on here, man. Being willing to provide some insights and wisdom for some of these guys. I'm Ray Mack. Ship it a hip. Let's rip it, dude. Let's go. Where you at? <laughs> What's happening, man? Uh, yeah, so I was from originally from California. Um, I went to University of Nevada coming out of high school. Uh, I spent <clears throat> four years there, redshirted my first year, uh, and three as a player. Had one more year of eligibility. Uh, master of school so I kind of decided uh, to bypass that because I wanted to get in the coaching side um, that year is when uh, Jay Johnson actually took over for coach powers um, and I started building a relationship with him uh, I was on the staff as a grad assistant uh, for a semester uh, director of operations assistant director of operations I think I worked under cam for a semester technically um, and then ended up taking uh, the volunteer assistant role uh, when a position opened up there uh, in December of that last year. Uh, really good year. Ended up, uh, Jay ended up getting the head job over at the University of Arizona. Uh, he brought me with him as the director of operations. Um, great year in 16, went to the College World Series um, with Bradshaw uh, and ended up, uh, you know, it was awesome. Uh, finished up one more year the following year, or the next two years, excuse me, uh, and then got this job over here at the University of San Diego. Um, uh, working with the outfielders uh, as a lifetime infielder. So, uh, but it's been great kind of learning that position and uh, learning really how to teach the guys here. This is the second year working with them uh, as well as the hitting. I think uh, Coach Ungrich and myself have done a good job of trying to build a foundation that first year uh, of what we feel is the most important things to teach here uh, on the offensive end. And uh, this year has kind of been just us expanding it. So it's been great. Uh, really happy we're on that 
uh, and excited to uh, prepare for the following season next year. So, got a long time to wait, baby, but it's some good preparation time right here for all of us, right? And this is the first oh, step yeah. to stay in tune with the game, man, and be able to help people. And I'm a big fan of pumping people up and just lighting people on fire in a good way. Although me and Ray Mack may have a rap battle one of these intro <laughs> sessions on one of these things, and you guys may never know it, but Ray, dude, just from like playing under you for a, a year, basically playing under you, I guess you were my coach, and then playing with you for a couple of years and seeing your work ethic, dude, unparalleled. Unbelievable what you're doing for the athletes. But people don't see that. People don't see the behind the scenes of how long you're at the field, how much time you spend away from your family, how much you sacrifice. You and your wife, she's a freaking softball coach. Like, in working at Starbucks, like, grinding, and doing lessons on the side just to make money to get through these seasons. Like, give me a break. Like, the amount that you guys go through on a daily basis to make your dream happen is – I fully, highly, at the utmost respect for every single one of you. And, Ray, I'm proud of you, dude. It's awesome to see this continue to improve. And what you've done with the athletes, you actually see improvement, which I think uh, is meant to a good coach. And I, I got a little better under you, but I don't I don't give you the credit, dude. I give Cam the credit because we were pumping the biceps. <laughs> well, well let's, let's be clear. Eva's the one that's really grinding and keeping my dream right now. So uh, let's get that straight. And secondly, I did make you better. You're right. <laughs> too many infield ground balls man no wonder you got to switch to the outfield nobody wants to see you in the infield Shawshank let it rip uh the legend have the floor hey thanks for having me <laughs> all right well hey so me I am currently the pitching coach and volunteer assistant at Brigham Young University um this will be my second year but a little on my background uh, I grew up in Medford, Oregon. Um, I grew up playing against Jake Whistler. So just let me tell you, Jake, Jake's the guy that when you don't know him, you respect him, but you don't necessarily like him when he's in the other dugout, which is the every team needs at least one of those. So <laughs> much love for Jake Whistler. But just a little background on um, on that. And then uh, played at North Medford High School. I was fortunate to have really good coaches when I was young. Um, played at Lynn Benton Community College, which it was my own, really my only option out of high school. I was, I was uh, like our number three on our high school, um, and basically just had one opportunity. I went to Lynn Benton, played for a couple of years, and got a lot better. Um, so um, maybe there might be a an episode where we talk about the junior college route and how that's a really good option for guys. Um, it was the, the best option for me. Um, ended up going to UNR, played for two years. Uh, that's where I got, you know, hooked up with Byler and Ray and Cam. Played for two years and then I started coaching because uh, I had to finish my degree. Um, so I coached for one year there and was, let's see, a student assistant for a semester and then, um, ended up being like player development. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, same thing as Ray Mack. Uh, he, uh, Coach Johnson, we had that really good year in uh, 15. Uh, Coach Johnson got the head job at Arizona, brought us along. I was the assistant director of ops under Ray. Um, I kind of worked as Dave Lon's right-hand guy for three years there. Um, and then pretty much out of there, um, took the volley job at BYU. So. That's kind of my path as a coach and player. Um, 
pumped to be here, man. This is this is a good time getting to see all you guys. I uh, lived with Austin uh, for two years. So one year when I was playing, one year when I was coaching, or is that right? Yeah. So, so. and then lived. I lived with Ray for six years. Seven. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry yeah. So yeah, new cam for. You were the director of ops for all three when I was there. Yeah. And then uh, she grew up playing against Wiss, played with him in the summer in college. Wilkes, I think, um, did we did we play together for one and then I coached you for one or was it just coached for one? First thing, you're muted, so all good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, just, yeah, this is a good time. So that's pretty much my background. Um, yeah. Nice. The Shawshank, dude. Always doing great things. And, and the biggest jump I've seen in you, Shaw, was when you were at Nevada, you were just getting in the flow of things, kind of like learning the process. And then obviously when you went to Arizona, you got to be mentored by Dave Lawn, who, as we all know, we're going to do a segment on just him alone. But legendary human being, freaking awesome dude. Fires everybody up. The greatest mountain visits ever. But provided a lot of insight from you and you you took to you learned from him you, you were able to develop your process which earned you a job at BYU which is a really good school obviously and has a pretty sweet place to play at I mean heated turf are you kidding me like, what more do you want with those mountains in the background dude unbelievable um hopefully you guys can still hear me with the with the connection here but uh, basically going through that you, can you hear me you can hear me good Maybe it's just Shawshank that his his uh yeah. his name might be down. Some but being go through that. I mean, it's a, it's unbelievable where you've been and the things that you've done for that program. And now you've got that pitching staff freaking going off. You guys have nasty dudes, and you guys are are doing some great things, man. It's a testament to your work ethic and how those guys buy into your process. You talk a lot about the mental game and how that impacts you on the mound and as a person, which I think is huge. So I'm excited to get in, into that a little more. Um, Wiss. Let's get it going, my dude. What's up, fellas? Hey, glad to glad to see you guys again, man. We got some great memories with all you guys. Cam, pleasure to meet you for the first time. Zach, you as well. Um, just just glad to be a part of this. Uh, you guys, I mean, that summer in Klamath and that summer in Medford, man, the two two summers that I'll, I'll never forget for sure. Um, but yeah, I went to, played at Western Oregon University under Jeremiah Robbins. Uh, he was there for two years, my freshman, my sophomore year, and then he uh, he left LC State, did some amazing things over there. Um, but I finished out my career at Western Oregon University, uh, played there for four years, redshirted one year, um, and then I coached there for three years after that, um, essentially taking a grad assistant role. Um, I, I earned my master's degree there in uh, health education. Um, and then after uh, two years ago, after 18, um, there really wasn't a spot, uh, paid spot for me to, to stay there. Um, kind of doing like we all know the route, just trying to make ends meet with bartending and, you know, picking up garbage. Any way you could find a way to, to, to do it, I, I, I tried to find a way, but it got to a point where it was, you know, I was coaching outfielders there. And like Ray, like you're talking about, buddy, being an infielder, you know, it kind of hurts on a daily basis working on with outfielders and not getting the infield piece. but. Uh, Jeremiah called me up and he said, hey, man, I'm moving home to Roseburg, which I couldn't believe. I, I, I mean, <laughs> just flabbergasted. I said, you're doing what? 
The guy's won three national championships in a row. Five out of six years he's there. He plays for the national title, and he's coming home to Roseburg to start up a junior college program. And I was like, absolutely, man. I'll take you up on that. So come down here. Um, we had six players our first year. We practiced twice a day with six guys for an entire season. Uh, one of the most unbelievable experiences I've ever been through in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> on the good end and the bad end. A lot of days you had to grind through. I didn't know why you were there or what you were doing, but um, you showed up and we worked our tails off and ended up putting a whole recruiting class together um, and, and having a couple big projects under our belt too, to be honest with you. Uh, Bishaw, I know he's played at the, at the field, at Legion Field, historic Legion Field here. Totally remodeled, $1.5 million dumped into this thing, all privately funded, no grants written um, people just in the community of Roseburg, Oregon, who are stacked, stoked about baseball and want it back in their town so badly that uh, just kept throwing money at it. And now we've got one of the nicest parks that I've ever seen. And this is a place that I grew up hating. <laughs> Coming to Roseburg, Oregon from Klamath, I mean, it was rival season. Uh, obviously, we had a great rival uh, rivalry with, with Bishaw over there in Medford, but uh, he can attest to this too. You go to Roseburg, man, it's it's a park filled with a bunch of 70 to 80 year olds and they boo you the whole entire game. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but their passion coming here and, and doing this thing has been unbelievable. And then we, we added another piece to this whole deal with the, we've got a living facility here. It's going to be tough to explain to you guys. Cause for me hearing it for the first time, I didn't really believe it either, but, we got a 22,000 square foot building. It's essentially a baseball frat. It's a, it's a baseball house. And so uh, I'm the RA of that now. So I'm the resident assistant here. So I've got that under my belt now. And uh, yeah, we're, we're rolling with it. We've got a, we've got an indoor hitting facility. So the guys can literally at any time roll out of bed, go in there and hit, um, go in there and take ground balls, go in there. Um, and, and this was a $500,000 project that people just came out of nowhere and threw money at. So to say I'm in a unique place would be an understatement. Um, but it, it's been awesome, man. It, it's been a, it's been an experience that I, I don't know if I'll ever reach again. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. That's a little bit about my background. Um, obviously being around you, you guys, um, gives you a little hope kind of in this time that we're in right now, not being able to get on a field or with our guys. So I appreciate every one of you and I'm glad to be on here. Wiss, you're an incredible human being. Um, before we even get into it, are you accepting uh, transfers for a big left-handed first baseman? <laughs> left-handed hitting, <laughs> has a bit of a cannon right-handed, uh, moves very well, can steal some bags. Um, average teammate, though, average teammate. <laughs> sign, sign him up. <laughs> he likes sign him up. Open. He loves hitting in high elevation places. That's the scouting report. Got it, baby. San Diego, got a short porch in field. Oh, I'm in, dude. I'm in. Um, I know, Wes, you just showing up in Klamath Falls in 2011, I believe. It was, I think it was my first year of summer ball, and you were playing with the gyms a little bit, being a local guy, and just seeing your work ethic, dude. Like, you were there freaking at, like, 10 o'clock, and the game started at 7 o'clock. And we're like, well, who is this guy out there? Just This gym's just going off, dude. Epic energy. And then, obviously, we all know Aaron Nielsen, who's an incredible human being. Having him on the staff, being able to come out there with some of those other guys, Hoagie Lyle. Um, Billy and those and Kurt and those guys on the staff being able, like that was just an epic summer and having fun with you out there dude learning from you seeing how you work and just I think you can learn as we get into this leadership topic 
how people carry themselves on and off the field, you can learn from that. And I think leadership has a lot to do with that. And you totally encompass that. And then taking leaps of faith, going down to Umqua and starting up a, a junior college there with your old coach had it been a, a scary feeling because you don't know what to expect. You're going out into the unknown. It's, it's very dark there. It's not a lot of light, but Hey, you guys have created something incredible there. And now all the things you listed, I didn't even know except for the fact that you guys were well-funded. So, I mean, that's even more incredible. So keep it up, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud of you. Um, let's keep this rolling. Wilkes, you may have to uh, unmute yourself, brother, <laughs> before we get into yours. But Zach Wilkins, Dixie State, playing under or coaching under Coach Fatenhauer, which was one of our, our coaches. He brought me in. Did he bring you you guys in, Ray and Shaw? Did he bring you guys into to Nevada? Uh, no, I was kind of actually seen by Coach Powers. Nice. Okay. Yeah. He brought, he brought me in, but he um, he took the job the year I came in, so I never paid for him. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he did, he did recruit me. Nice. So, yeah. Hey, legendary dude. Love fate. He gave me the opportunity in Nevada. Forever grateful for him. Um, Wilkes, let it rip, my dude. Yeah. All right. So, I'm currently the pitching coach at Dixie State. Uh, a little bit about my background. I'm from San Diego, California. Uh, I ended up going to a junior college for two years. And, you know, throughout my whole life, you know, I just kind of followed my brother a little bit. You know, everyone has that, that person that they look up to. And, you know, my brother was one person that I really looked up to. Uh, he ended up going the junior college route. And... He actually ended up going to North Carolina State for a couple of years, going to the College World Series. And, you know, that that's just one person that really inspired me to, you know, end up going that kind of route and just following his footsteps. But uh, after that, I ended up going to the University of Nevada and I actually got to play with you, Byler. Um, Shawshank, I got to, you know, play under you for a year. Same with you, Ray Mack and Cam. We'd always have our have our, uh, you know, battles in the weight room, always getting after it. You know, I'd always be out working you, but. Hey, you know, standard no procedure, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, standard, standard. Yeah, so that, that, was a, that was a really, really important piece of my life in going to Nevada because that's where I kind of got to learn a little bit about myself. Uh, you know, my senior year with the coaching change, Jay going to Arizona, you know, my, my whole life, I wanted to go, you know, play professional baseball. And, you know, my senior year with a new coaching staff, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted my senior year. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, that's when I got big in the reading. I got big into the Mamba mentality. You know, Kobe, he's one of my heroes to this day. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And that's when I wanted to coach. You know, I was lucky enough to learn under Jay, the coach at University of Arizona, and TJ a little bit of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Um, and I think that's, you know, helped me to this day and helped develop, you know, the guys at Dixie State. And, you know, I'm super thankful for that. Uh, but after my stint at the University of Nevada, I ended up, uh, going to my old junior college, Palomar Junior College, for a year. And, you know, I got to learn, you know, currently he's the Kansas State pitching coach, Buck Taylor. I got to learn a little bit more about 
the coaching side and uh, Ben Adams, who's currently the, the head coach at Palomar. So I'm thankful for that. And then Jay, where I actually ended up calling Jay and seeing if, you know, he needed any help at the University of Arizona. And, you know, we all, we go back, you know, my brother actually used to play under Jay uh, about 15 years ago. So, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get that job at the University of Arizona. And I was there for two years. I got to learn under, you know, I think the best coaching staff um, in Division One baseball. You know, Jay Johnson, he's incredible, amazing. Uh, Dave Vaughn, who's my mentor. And, you know, I everything that I do is because of him. You know, I, I think he is, we're going to get into the definition of a leader, but I think he is the definition of a leader just in terms of, the consistency that he puts in, you know, every single day, whether he's sick, anything like that. And, you know, I've kind of taken that a hold and put it into, you know, my lifestyle, my habits and, you know, and the players here at Dixie State. So I'm, I'm very thankful for the path that I've gone down. Wilkes, dude, you're an, incre an incredibly humble human being, as we know, except for in the weight room against Cam, if you're bench pressing. Because <laughs> we know it's just he's money with Cam, dude. Like just how lit. Dude. Hey, this sound lifting you, Cam. No big deal. Hey, this was a roast for Cam. He didn't know that this was a roast, but this is a roast. Um, well, well, mute yourself before you say something you're going to regret. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Wilkes, no, extremely humble, dude. And, and you've been doing some amazing things. Obviously got the opportunity to be coaching with Coach Fade. And I know he demands a lot out of you guys down there. And he's got a tight ship that he's running. And it's very impressive to see what you guys are doing, especially this year, what you were doing before all this stuff happened. But keep that rolling, bro. And then it's great to see as we get into leadership how one person or maybe a couple people, um, Coach Wanaka, Coach Lon, Coach Rutanian, uh, Coach Johnson, all those guys can stem to create all these little nuggets in the world. I mean, each one of us in here has taken so much value out of what they provided. And obviously you coach, or um, not coach, I almost called you coach Whistler. I don't like calling people coach, I man. I like calling you Wiss. But Wiss, like learning from your head coach, four out of the five years going to the championship, like taking a leap of faith, going to UMQA, starting a program. We can learn from the people that we come across. And, and a lot of athletes out there and maybe some coaches right now are like, I don't want to go to the East Coast. I don't want to go to the Midwest. I don't want to play for this guy or be with this guy. But whether you learn something that you want to use or learn something that you don't want to use for your program or your history down the road, it's valuable. We can learn from anybody. You guys are learning from new people right now because obviously I'm guessing you all want to be a head coach someday or in that, that stature of the one and two, really being the head of the ship. And you've got to learn a lot and kind of farm yourself through this process. But being athletes, all of us being athletes, collegiate athletes, playing the game at a high level and now coaching the game at a high level and being a part of programs and implementing leadership and different topics and different tools to these kids. It's impressive to see how one person can like spark so much greatness in people just by seeing greatness in them individually like individual greatness in them whether you're a coach under those people or whether you're an athlete under them i've never met anybody in my life who has been such like a, a positive influence for us as a team it was incredible and we got to play under some great coaches coach gary powers three or four of us in here got to work with him like love coach powers like all these different guys that we've got to play under or be a part of in these programs that we've got to be a part of the history of it's incredible and now we're all here 
on a group chat on Zoom in the middle of March or end of March, where I thought it usually takes 25 calls and like 15 text messages and a Snapchat video to get a hold of anybody in here. It's like, boom, oh, there's spots on the dime. Like, what are we doing here? So let's get into it. Let's get into the topic of leadership. I'm going to start uh, down, the, down the, the row here with Cam, but Cam, we talk about leadership and obviously when you were at Puget Sound, I got to come up there and kind of be a part of what you're doing and implementing some leadership and some tools to the athletes, mental side of the game, leadership tools, et cetera. Um, for me, I really believe that a leadership is the ability to empower and inspire those around you. I think that's a, a massive tool. You don't have to do it by voice. You can do it by your actions. Each one of us in here leads by a different way, different type of example. And people, I, I believe, at least from what I've seen, can take to that. They, they are attracted to people like that. And that's what I think leadership does. So that's, that's my take on leadership before we get rocking the boat. But um, Cam, I really want to know what you do because you've got a PhD in leadership, dude. You, you've been doing this. You're teaching with regular everyday people and with athletes, with coaches, with programs, with other people in the world. Um, what defines a good leader and what does that look like? Like, how do you implement that into a program? Sure. And it's a great question. And like you mentioned, it's something that's certainly been a passion of mine. And um, I know you've wanted us to, to dive a little deeper into some of our other backgrounds of how we've been able to stay in coaching. And um, that is one way I've been able to, I've been lucky enough to do some research and some teaching um, at the University of Nevada, University of Washington, and now here at Chapman as well. And one of the first things I really, I like doing is framing leadership in a, in a specific way. And I think there's one story that um, really does that nicely. Um, it's by one of my favorite leadership authors. His name's Simon Sinek. He's written books. Um, Leaders Eat Last, uh, Start With Why. It's a brilliant author. And I'll give the paraphrase version of the story. There was a high-ranking official, former high-ranking official, who was speaking at a, at a conference. And in the middle of his speech, he stopped and looked at the, the ceramic mug that he was drinking his cup of coffee out of. And he spoke to the audience and said, you know, Last year, when I was in my old position, I spoke at the same conference. I was flown out business class. I had someone pick me up at the hotel, uh, take me from the hotel to uh, the conference center, uh, take me backstage, uh, put on all my makeup. And uh, when I asked if I could grab a cup of coffee, someone ran and poured me a cup of coffee in this beautiful ceramic mug. Well, this year, I'm drinking coffee out of a ceramic mug, I or excuse me, a styrofoam mug. Uh, I flew here coach. I took a cab from the airport to the hotel. I checked myself in. I took another cab from the hotel to the conference, and I had to find my way backstage. And when I asked if I could have a cup of coffee, someone pointed over to the corner, and I had to walk and go get my cup of coffee that I'm drinking out of this styrofoam cup. He said the whole point was I was never meant for the ceramic mug. I deserve a styrofoam cup. And the whole point to what that is intended to do is just try and highlight one of the easiest things for all of us as leaders to do, which is think it's about us. And it's natural. It's really, there's a lot of benefits of leadership. There's a lot of really cool things that we get to experience. But by definition, leadership involves other people. Because if there's no one following you, then you're by yourself. Thus, leadership can't really take place. And so I think the best word to just at least frame leadership in a simple way, or at least the way I've tried to, is it's about perspective. Do you understand what leadership is actually about, which is serving others, a service to others? And I think that's probably one thing that you'll continue to see as we introduce these coaches that have had positive influences on our lives. I'd say more often than not, it was them 
showing interest in us players, however you want to contextualize it. But I've always thought that that was a really nice way to at least just frame leadership and in what it is at its simplest form. And I know with us specifically, uh, that's the easiest way that we try and contextualize leadership throughout all the programs that I've been lucky enough to be, um, whether it be us in the bullpen at, at Nevada or on the field with, uh, with you running those seminars at UPS, by the way, we just try and put it in context of so much of the questions that come with leadership with young kids are like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. We have to say, guys, this isn't about you. It's about others. So that's the first step in understanding what this is. It's okay to start things with what are you doing but it always has to be in relation to how is it influencing others? How is it affecting others? And um, I've always just liked that as a jumping off point, because I think that from all the perspectives everyone on here has, it can be a, a really nice way to, to take this a lot of different directions. Yeah, and that's incredible. I, I love the serving others. I think serve others. I know at my old desk job, um, I walked away from it probably a month and a half ago, so good timing. <laughs> but um, I walked away from it about a month and a half ago, and on my desk, like like these little yellow sticky notes, it was simple. I put serve others, and I put it there because I was getting so wrapped up in me, 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 and when can I get out of here, and when can I um, go speak to colleges, and why isn't anybody bringing me in, and why isn't this? It was all about me. And so I realized um, about six or seven months ago, I was like, okay, it's not about me, it's about the others. So when you say serve others, it really hits home for me because as an athlete, a lot of the times, especially in the junior college ranks, and I just noticed this working with a lot of those programs this, this uh, fall and winter, was it's all about how can I get to the next level? How can I get drafted? How can I get out of here? Rather than how can we collectively win and, and develop a culture to help us all get out of here? Because let me tell you, if you're two and 12, nobody's coming around your yard, whether you throw 95 or you throw 82. But if you guys are winning and you're collectively like supporting each other's and serving each other from the top down and you start to win and develop that culture, people start to swarm around your field because everybody's doing better. Everybody's getting brought up and now more people get the opportunity to go on to the next level, which I'm sure you guys have all seen. And we saw it in Nevada in 2015, um, a lot of our last years there with that aspect. So I love that, Cam. I think that's freaking awesome. It's a great lead in to, to everyone else kind of jumping into this. And then I like the, the perspective of, hey, what's the perspective of leadership? Like, how are we viewing this? What type of lens do we view this through? And how do we implement this into our organizations? What was the easiest way for you to implement it with your athletes? Now, like you work with them, obviously, and, and we have chatted a lot about it. And I like to learn from you if you're doing this. But how, how have you implemented that with your athletes, at least empowering them? Yeah, I think the, the best way is to really have them recontextualize what leadership is. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions that leaders have to be the ones giving these very passionate, emotionally driven speeches or leadership is, um, you know, being the aggressor when it comes to some sort of disciplinary issue, things like that. There's a lot of different versions of what leadership is. And I know we've all experienced them and heard them in a lot of different ways. There's a vocal leader, there's a lead by example, all those sorts of things. And, you know, I think a really helpful first place to start would be understanding what each player uh, believes about leadership. They may have very, very uh, misconstrued perceptions about what it actually is. And so part of what goes into at least reforming that is you gotta have discussions. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. the one thing that's very clear about the generation of player that we're coaching right now is they're very well informed, probably more so than any other um, time maybe in, in where we're at. And, uh, 
Uh, I think they're pretty intuitive of knowing when someone knows what they're talking about and when they don't. And so if you don't know what you're talking about, it can be a pretty exposing experience. So I'd say the more open you can be in just the way you're able to understand, look, man, if you're a quiet kid, we don't need you to be um, super theatrical, super emotional. You just have to play to your strengths. But if you're an extrovert, you know, you're going to probably have to uh, adhere a little bit more to what your personality suits. So just understanding that there's a lot of different versions of what leadership is. And, you know, if you're able to understand that sometimes a simple conversation uh, in any different capacity can you know, can help that out. I think that's just a really good first step because the one thing we don't have a shortage of in our world right now is information. And so you have to be really careful about what information gets in your players' heads. Ooh, massive. Be, be on, like, stand guard. I think Jim Rohn says it. It's like stand guard to your mind. Like stand guard to your mind, man. This thing's freaking powerful. We lift all these weights and we joke about being in the dungeon getting after it. But how many guys are visualizing? How many guys are meditating? How many guys are thinking about what they're grateful for? Or how many guys does this thing freaking just go spiraling on us all day long and wondering why, why, why are we not somewhere asking all these questions um, that do not serve us at all? And then will we fill into that thing too? So great point, Cam. I love that. I love that. Ray Mac, what do you got for me? What, uh, what, do, you, what do you see with your athletes? Like how do you implement leadership um, just on your team within your role? And, and what are some characteristics of a good leader? Uh, no, I like that Cam started that off because, you know, realistically, leaders aren't just the good players, you know, like you can get, you can have good players that are bad leaders. Um, it's tougher to make a player that's not great, a great leader because they don't naturally gravitate to, I think. Um, so those really good players on your team, um, those are the guys that are going to naturally be drawn to and, and they got to service the best example, I think, for the team because um, most guys are going to react off that. Uh, if you think about it, for me, uh, leadership, I think, is the consistency in showing up, you know, every day. Uh, that is just to, you know, be a boy for your guys chatting around the, uh, the cage or um, really just putting your work in and putting your head down. You know, like Cam said, you don't need to be the vocal screamer all the time. Uh, guys will sniff that out and know you're fake right away. Uh, you, we want the best version of yourself and we want it consistently because those guys in your team that you're holding accountable are going to see you when you're not doing it too. Um, it's just got to be consistent. I, I think um, I saw a video of J.D. Martinez. Uh, it's floating around Twitter uh, of him working in the cage with some guys uh, two weeks ago in spring training, and he's just sitting there, you know, breaking swings down with guys that just got drafted, you know, last year. And, our first year guys that he, I mean, he doesn't need to be saying anything to the, this 18 year old that, you know, hasn't been in the league, but he's taking the time out of his day to work with him to make his swing better. Cause he knows at the end of the day, that's going to make his team better. And if his team's the best it can, they're going to achieve their full potential potential. And uh, more importantly, you're putting others before yourself. You know, your, uh, your focus doesn't become you and then your game, naturally tends to take off when the focus is off you. So um, as far as implementing that, I mean, we tell our guys, we don't need one leader. We need 35. Yeah. We tell them from the time they walk in doors as freshmen that, Hey, these guys are looking after you, but next year you're the guy that needs to be talking to these guys. Um, so once they get their bearings, you know, at the winter break, nobody's a freshman anymore. Uh, at least not for me personally, as far as they, how they act and hold themselves. Um, they just got to keep on and then start taking others 
under their wing and then they can police themselves. Um, I think the self-accountability and uh, holding others accountable, uh, once you can do that, uh, realistically, your team kind of starts to go on its own. And uh, the coaching aspect, you're out of it once the game starts rolling. It's up to them. Um, it's almost like, like the New Zealand all blacks where, hey, we're going to ourselves. Um, I think it's an awesome way to look at it. Love that, Ray. I love that outlook on it, the self-accountability. And I know we talked about it off camera before when I was down there this past week about like, what are you guys doing? And, and you're like, dude, or no, we talked about like when I was coaching this year, like for the first time, I'm like, dude, I, I love this. It's firing me up. It's fueling my flame. But like, I just wish we could catch a fly ball. I wish we could hit a, catch a ground ball. I wish we could swing at the first pitch strike that we worked on for five days in a row in practice, like, how can we do this? And you mentioned what you just said. You said, once the chains are off, once the dudes are on the field or the girls, our role is basically out of the window. We can support, we can encourage, we can empower from where we're at, but like, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Like, however, we've prepared them. We've prepared them, hopefully, ideally, to the best of our abilities, but once they're out there, like, we need 35 leaders. We need the guys on the bench who aren't playing who can inspire our guys that are out there playing because it's very easy to fall into the sunken hole and to poor me and why I'm on the bench and I don't get a pitch, I don't get a play, I don't get a hit, wham, 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 and cry my way through my four years of college and get nothing out of it. Or we can support our teammates like you did as a freaking fifth-year guy. I tell the story all the time. You're a fifth-year dude on University of Nevada. So we're not like this high-market team. We're not University of Arizona or Clemson University. Like We're University of Nevada. We're good. But there's a freshman, Kyle Hunt, who's now coaching at Nevada, um, played there all, all throughout college with him, and a freshman coming in, and he's going to be the starting shortstop. Like, it's undisclosed. Like, we know that he's going to be the starting shortstop, and that's obviously one of your positions as a shortstop and a second baseman. And you went out there every day and empowered him to be better. You pushed him to be better. You went out there and you took extra ground balls. Um, you grinded within the cage with your swings, and you helped him be able to walk into that position his first year to play and be suitable at shortstop. And that's because you were selfless. You were able to empower other people like JD Martinez was doing, knowing that's going to help the rest of the team. So that's massive, dude. And I love how you implement that with your athletes. Like people are taking note of that, which is huge. And I've got my little yellow sticky note taking notes on each of you guys. So be careful <laughs> what you say, because it's going in BZB's hands now, baby. <laughs> love it. Appreciate it, brother. Of course. Um, Shawshank, what do you got for me, dude? How are you empowering leaders over there at BYU? And what are you doing with your pitching staff? Because you guys are disgusting. So you keep those guys on track. Well, hey, first, first, I, I'm glad you said something because the old, like there's, I love how Cam let off, kind of gives us a perspective on kind of framing leadership. I think Ray Mack provided great insight. Uh, there's different types of leaders, but ultimately, like I've always looked at Ray Mack as the ultimate leader because he shows up every day, works his ass off. He has, it's all about who he is as a person, his habits, um, his work ethic, his, it's all about team first. He's trying to help the guy that he's trying to beat out. He's providing value. Even if he's not in the game, he's adding value. And, and I think every coaching staff or player that's been with him has seen that he's the type of guy that's going to add value no matter what. And I think that's the ultimate leader. Um, so then I'll go into what I was going to say next. I think, um, yeah, I think um, a lot of younger players and, and student athletes today have kind of a romanticized idea of what leadership is. 
and Cam kind of touched on this, like they'll, they think it's a certain thing, a way they have to act. Like I have to be, get up and talk. I have to like, you know, jump down a guy's throat if he's not doing something, which, I mean, there's a little bit of that uh, at times, but um, I think really it's, it's about, it's about who you are and, and what you do and, and what you're bringing to the table on a consistent basis. I think the selfless aspect is huge. I think great leaders are always looking for what's in their best interest of the group, no matter what, it's always about the group. Um, with that being said, their personal habits uh, and routines are very good. They're consistently showing up. Um, so those are two really big things for me. Um, I, you know, I, um, I try to get our guys there's, and there's different types of leaders. I mean, you could tell if a guy's authentic, we've had, um, really good leaders who don't, aren't very vocal. Um, but like, they're just going about their business every single day. They're, they're showing everybody how, how it's done really. I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't really matter what's going on in your life. Um, you have to, you know, bring it every day. So there's guys that lead by example. And then the, you, you can notice if a guy's not authentic and they're trying to be a leader and it's just kind of fake. Um, so it's, it can't be forced either. It's just, you just got to be the best version of yourself, trying to help others, looking out for the best interest of the team. Uh, I think, uh, some, some, uh, traits of good leaders would be like a great communicator um i think good leaders are very clear in their communication they're very honest um they're not going to bs you um they'll they'll communicate belief they'll communicate a clear vision a plan expectations um but great communication is really important in leadership i think um another would be ultimately great leaders remain calm um through really good times really hard times good leaders are always calm um and focused on what's in front of them um and not panicking uh another would be um positive energy uh i think there there's teams in the past that you know hey like their version of leadership would be you know hey the lead here's the seniors and they're going to jump down everyone's throat if they're not doing everything right and i think you know there's that's that's worked for teams but i think ultimately uh it's it's spread you know with today's kids it works better to spread more positive energy and and building guys up while um holding guys accountable for certain standards the way things need to be done it doesn't mean that you let things slide it just means that the communication's a little different. Um, I think, uh, um, let's see, yeah, always bringing value is a big thing for leadership. Um, but yeah, I think for for me, uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm just I'm just looking for uh, to empower guys to to be the best they can be and to kind of uh, provide value to the group in any way they can. Um, you know, and ultimately it's, it's not, it's about, you know, giving each other feedback. It's about, you know, taking care of yourself so that you could be the best version of yourself to best help the group. Uh, I think are really important things. So, yeah. 
You're spot on, man. And you've done a great job empowering your athletes. I mean, you've got some very talented guys, but it's very easy for a lot of talented guys to get extremely selfish and extremely not bought into the process that you have in place for them, but they've bought into you as a person. And I think that's the biggest thing with leaders is people buy into you first and then the process that you have set out for them, um, which is awesome. And the fact of like adding value in any aspect uh, of your life is huge. And you've got to work on yourself before you can actually see that or others can see that in you. If you're doing it yourself then other people see that in you and they're like, wow, okay, I want a piece of that. What does this guy got? What does this girl got? How do they empower others? How, how can they bring the best out of me every single day? Um, I just like writing some notes, being the selfless. And like um, you mentioned the, the false persona of leadership that a lot of people have. I call it the fake chow, dude. Like everybody gets fake chow. You know, like you think about it, there's no fake chow, dude. Like Coach Johnson says, there's no half pregnant. Like, no, there's no fake chow either. Like, fake chow, I'm going to see through you. If you're out there trying to be Mr. Vocal Guy, yelling around, ah, ah, two, two. Quick story, I'm playing a high school game, and this kid in left field's like, Mamba mentality for seven innings straight. And I'm like, dude, you're an example of fake chow. Whoever you are for listening to this, I'm calling you out right now because that is fake chow. Don't be fake chow. Be real, be genuine, be transparent, be honest, be loving, be kind, be a freaking leader, be calm in distress. It fires me up, dude. The Romans, they yeah. were calm, baby. They were hamped up. They didn't need any Red Bull vodkas. Like, they are freaking amped and they're locked in. Um, Wiss, what do you got for me, dude? What, what's some leadership, especially at the junior college level where it's two years and out for most people and it's a little different because you don't have four years to continue that leadership. What do you got for me on your leadership? How do you guys implement it? What's, uh, what makes a good leader? You want me to continue on this? Because we have a book already we could write with the stuff. That <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get the book right. That's why. <laughs> Cam, you are a wizard of this stuff, man. I got to pick your brain more often. Holy cow. Uh, great stuff from all you guys, you know, and, and you said it, by Byler. It's a, you know, being going from the four year to the two year, it's a, it's a, it's a different beast, man. It's a different transition. And then add the cherry on top. You're starting a brand new program. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we don't, we don't have a sophomore or a redshirt sophomore. We had, this year we had 33 freshmen, 18 year olds, okay? So you wanna talk about instilling a culture and talking about leadership. For me, a big piece to it is repetition, right? The, the, the game of baseball is a game of repetition. I think, I think the game of life is as well. It's like, what are you practicing on a daily basis? Um, so what we preach to our guys and we say it every single day to them, we talk to them every day about leadership because the, the, you, you kind of got to hold their, hold their hand through it a little bit, um, especially being the 18 year old. So we, we, we preach on a daily basis and talk about what, what a leader actually looks like. And, and to your guys' point, I, I think uh, the fake chow and all, and all the stuff that Cam said and, and Ray and, and Mike, and I'm sure Zach, you'll have great points on it too, but, that's totally it, man. You got to be about it. You can say anything you want. You can walk up, do the talk, do all of that, but you got to show up on a daily basis like Gray was talking about and Mike, and you got to be about it, man. That's the bottom line. Um, and, and we live in a society today that I think really kicks our ass in, in a sense that um, you can get every answer you want so fast. These, these, these kids today, you can get anything you want in two seconds, man. And, that, and that's not how it goes. And I think all of us can attest to this. We had to we had to go through something that turned our that switched our mentality into the into that leadership role, right? We we were, we and we, it might have been a different way for all of us, but some of us might have been the fake chow guys, 
right? Or, or some of us might have thought we got extra reps or we showed up early, we're the last ones to leave until, until we weren't. And until someone stepped up and, and gave us a talk and said, hey, man, you, you got to change your ways. And, and I, think, I think a true leader has had to go through adversity and has had to learn from, from, from their past and, and, and make adjustments. And I think that's a big piece that, especially dealing with our junior college guys, man, that they haven't gone through yet. So when you talk about, okay, I'm a leader because I watched a video on Twitter and I'm going to say the same thing that this guy did on the video and I'm going to say that at practice tomorrow on the team huddle. It's like, okay, but what have you gone through to get to that point? What adversity have you battled through to get to that point? So for a perfect example for our guys, we didn't have a field all fall this year. We played at a sandlot. And I'm talking, picture the worst field you guys have ever been on times 10. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It was – you walk out there and you're like, what are we doing out here? We're college, We're starting a brand new college program and we're on a field that, I mean, the, the, you can't play baseball out here. And I mean, rifling fungos every single day at these kids. They had to live with host families for, for the entire fall. We didn't have a place for them to live. We had no, we had no structure for them at all. Where to stay, where to go. People in the community reached out and they were doing the summer ball gig and fall ball. They had, they had host families. So it's like, we, when you talk about leadership and people getting into a leadership role, it's like, what have you gone through first to get you to, to that point of being a leader? And I think that's such a big piece that, um, especially that I'm learning at the junior college level that our guys don't really get that much of because they're fresh out of high school. They haven't had the talk yet. Um, and they haven't gone through a lot of adversity. I mean, they were coming through programs and there's a lot of great high school coaches out there and they're all over the place. But a lot of the guys that I'm seeing today, I mean, have you're the best player at high school you're the stud and everybody's been telling you that since day one that's a problem that's a big problem because then you get to a big pond and you're the small fish now where every dude that were, is on their on your team was the same dude in high school okay so you you gotta uh jeremiah says this all the time and i'm sure you guys have heard this but you're either humbled or you're about to be and so that's a lot of that's a lot of what we deal with on a daily basis with our guys is trying to humble these guys and getting them a sense of um, you've got to battle through some stuff before you can call yourself a leader. And I think that's a big piece of leadership is the people that are leaders in this world and 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 who have a big say and you, we listen to and talk to. I mean, look at their background and look at their stories and where they've come from, and that'll explain to you a lot of why why they are where they're at. So. For me, that's what, that's the big piece for me is the repetition of it, telling them on a daily basis, and then at the same token, putting them through adversity so that they understand exactly what it means to be selfless and, and be and be a leader of others, okay, a servant leader, and that's what we talk about. We preach servant leadership to our guys, um, getting out in the community, doing things in the community. Um, some of these guys have never picked up a rake before. So it's like getting out and doing things that these guys have never done. And it puts them in a spot where they're uncomfortable, but they got to push through it. And that's a piece that I think gets to them to understand what a leader is and, and have them move forward in that piece. Well, Wes, I think I'm going to just let you have your own segment on the show and you can just go off for an hour and I'll just listen. I know we're all down. Yes. This was I got, fire, dude. You're got a house full of 18 year old stories, man. It's been a grind of a year. <laughs> Whistler's I mean, wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> there's wisdom, baby. Every Wednesday, Whistler's Wednesday wisdom. Yeah, let's go. Um, I love it, man. The servant leadership, just like Cam was saying, serve others. Like, it's amazing how much you can do it, and how similar a lot of the viewpoints are, and, and how 
um, align a lot of this is at all levels, at different levels. And you're experiencing it on a different way because you're getting a bunch of babies coming in there, man. These are some fresh calves out there in the, in the wilderness and you got to ring them in and somehow get them all on the same page to believe in themselves and to get to where they want to go. And having no feel that builds a lot of character and that develops a lot of leadership, I think. And just like you said, you got to go through something, dude. Like nobody wants to hear the, the person who gets up there and is trying to preach their message and preach whatever they got, but they haven't been through anything. They've been spoon fed everything in their life. It's always been an easy path and that there's been no adversity that they've gone through. And if they did go through it, they broke. Um, nobody wants to listen to somebody like that. But when you've seen somebody who's gone through the depths, whether it's personally, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whether it's something that's happened to them that was totally out of their circumstances um, and uncontrollable, people want to hear that because they've dug deep, they've been resilient, they've battled through adversity to get to where they want to go. And every single person in here has dug through some adversity to continue their dream and to aspire for where they want to go in their life. There's a great analogy of chiseling the rock. Like you don't get there after like a hundred to a thousand to 5,000 to 10,000 chisels in there. Like you're just chipping away every single day, every single day. But at the end of the day, at one point that rock's going to break and you're going to get to the sculpture that you've been trying to make like the Romans back in the day. Do you think of Hercules, this jacked freaking sculpture? That didn't happen overnight. Nobody just carved it out, typed in 3D printing and just made it. Maybe nowadays, because everything's so quick and spoon-fed to you, but you got to chisel the rock. You got to keep pounding. Like for you guys, some, it might take five more years. It might take 10 more years to be wow. a head coach somewhere. We don't know. But you keep chiseling the rock, eventually it's going to break. You're going to get to where you want to go. That's freaking Fuego, Wiss. And I'm all in for Whistler Wednesday wisdom all day, baby, because I am tuning in live, 9 a.m., make it happen. Wilkins, what do you got for me over there at Dixie State, man? You got, yeah. you got some good perspectives, brother. I'm excited to hear what you got, bringing, bringing in the, the calves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I look at leadership, I look at consistency. You know, I already told you, you know, one of my, my idols is Kobe Bryant. And one of the things that he did day in and day out is he'd show up, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what's happened. You know, you're showing up every single day and you're putting in the work. And, you know, I, I look back to, you know, Dave Juan. I mean, there are days where he would, you know, be running on three hours of sleep and he'd be there at five in the morning, you know, his usual time. And he wouldn't show up later in 7 a.m. You know, it, it's, it's doing things even though when you're uncomfortable, but it's, it's consistency. Every single day, no matter how you feel, it, it, it doesn't matter. And when you do that, it, it creates a trust within the players and the coaching staff around you. And when you're reliable, that's when guys start to go to you a little more. You know, a, a leader is someone who is reliable in their word. And it goes back to, you know, when we had our, uh, our team performance team elite, you know, Dean Willems. You know, your word is everything. And the minute that you break that trust or your word, you know, nobody's going to really trust you. They're not going to look up to you. And, you know, you're not going to be considered a leader. Um, so I look at it in terms of the habits like Ray Mack and Shaw talked about. It's those habits that you develop. And, you know, it like some days, you know, I wake up at you know 6 a.m or tr I try to wake up at 6 a.m every single day you know go on a run go work out and there are days that I don't really feel like it but you know you got to grind through it it's something that you have to do every single day because you know that that's what gets your morning started and if you get your morning started right 
you know, then you're going to be ready for the office. You know, when you get in the office, develop a plan for those guys because there's other people relying on you. So when, you know, I'm at the field and, you know, we go through our practice days or whether it's off the field, you know, I want, I want to develop that trust, you know, amongst the guys in that locker room. It doesn't matter, you know, that I'm in charge of the pitchers. You know, I, I do it with every single one of our guys. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just about developing trust for me. It's about putting in the work. And you see guys, you know, on our team, I, I could name a few. I could, I could name Jack Gonzalez, Tamita Gerber, Braden Bonner. I mean, those guys are in here, you know, two hours early sometimes getting their work done, you know, before everyone else and they're staying three hours later. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're leading by, you know, word of mouth and communication like that, but you're leading by example. You know, there's different types of uh, leaderships, um, leadership qualities and things like that. But, you know, I look at it in terms of consistency. And I think that's what makes really good leaders. And that's what I try to do with our guys. Uh, it doesn't feel, you know, it's about being selfless. It's all for the guys in the locker room. Um, and, and that's what I try to, you know, bring to our guys every single day is, uh, it, it's not about me. It really isn't. It's about those guys and helping those guys out in any way possible. Um, so that's the way I look at leadership. I love it. I love it. You mentioned something that's massive, and it's a massive key for anybody out there because there's a lot of people in our industry that aren't doing this. And if you're not going to set yourself up for success, then like, how are you going to set somebody else up for success? And when you say win the morning, yes. if you win your morning, you win your life. Literally, you win the morning, you win your life. If you take control of your morning, you take control of your life. It's the most vulnerable you are every day. The first 20 minutes, you are so susceptible to all the thoughts that come into our mind. Whatever we feed into our mind, our subconscious is the most powerful at that moment in our life. Like throughout those whole 24 hours, the first 20 minutes. Like, what do you feed into your mind? Is it the Twitter feed? Is it the Instagram feed? Is it the Snapchat and TikTok doing these cool dances and boom, boom? Or is it something empowering, something that serves you, something that calms your mind and gets you ready to go? And for you waking up early, getting out there, getting in the gym, like doing something to kind of kickstart your day, just finding the process, like committing to something very first thing in the morning is so massive that I don't think a lot of people understand it, but it's a very simple yeah. tool that you can take charge of your life immediately, like today or tomorrow morning. Right when you wake up like what are you going to do today to commit to my success and that's how leaders are born man we start in the morning that's, that's literally what it's all about um bye and you mentioned some you you mentioned vulnerability and that's that's another big part of leadership is admitting you know when you do fail you know i i think that's one thing that i've kind of learned my first year is you know i'm trying to figure out what's going to work for me what's going to work best for our team and our uh, organization but you know it when you're wrong, you know, you have to be able to admit that and accept that, you know, you're not, you're not accept like it, it's that false prophecy. Like you're not filling your, your mind with, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to swear, but uh, that bullshit, you know, it's being honest with yourself and uh, you know, kind of realizing when you are doing things wrong or when you are wrong and admitting that, you know, to the guys in the locker room as well and being vulnerable. That's a, that's a huge part that you mentioned. Key, man. Key. Morning success, vulnerability, dude. Like, it breaks down the walls because we're all fighting something. Or we've all fought something in our life. We've all battled something inward or outward. Like, there's been something that's gone on for each one of us, no matter if you're Coach Johnson at the top of the level and 
Coach Corbin over at uh, Vandy or you're the next volley assistant at Kennesaw State, like no matter where you're at in the world, like you have been through something. So being able to be vulnerable with your athletes, I think that's the first step to building the trust. We all talk about trust and consistency. That's a huge step in that. We've got about nine, eight to nine minutes left before we wrap this up. So I want to get like a quick 60 second synopsis on like what you're looking for in your leaders on your team. Like on a daily basis, what do you look for for these guys? We've gotten through consistency, we've gotten through trust, we've gotten through some of the characteristics. Now, what are you actually looking for on the field in some of your leaders to maintain this throughout the whole season um, to empower them? Uh, let's go, Cam, kick us off again. Um, just speaking personally, a lot of what we try and do is take care of that in the recruiting process. So we spend a lot of time talking with families, we talk with um, counselors, we talk with scouts, we talk with coaches. We just want to get an idea of how this kid handles certain things. Can he process information? Can he handle feedback? Is this the type of player that um, you know has a lot of very strong opinions and perspectives? Because there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but we want to make sure it comes from a good uh, a good place so we can use that constructively. So a lot of what we try and do is take care of that work in the recruiting process, and so we actually probably spend more time recruiting people not to come to Chapman because we just are so clear about how we view leadership, how we view responsibility. And so we just want to be upfront with it from the start. And so by the time we get guys in, they know the expectation, they know what we're expecting uh, both on and off the field. And, and probably one word that I would use that, that ties everything together is we want dynamic leaders. And what that means is basically Leadership is going to give you so many situations to handle that by the time you figure out how to handle one, you may already have two or three more that pop up. So we need guys that can think quick, they can think logically, they can break down information, and they can be prepared for whatever situation we have. So we want guys that can think for themselves. We want guys that are independent, that have opinions, but just understand that uh, a lot of opinions are good. That's how you solve problems. We just want it to all be going towards the same thing. So. Um, Dynamic and perspective, those are probably the two key words that, uh, that I think go into at least any initial discussion of leadership. Dude, dynamic leadership, that is epic. I'm using that. I need more coaching lines, so we might have a 30-minute call after this to, to break down what it means and all the different dynamics of dynamic leadership. But, dude, that is fire. I love that. Um, that's massive. I learned, I've learned so much already. Um, Ray, what do you got for me? Your quick synopsis. Uh, I got parents uh... – a huge role in how your child turns out as far as leadership. Uh, I think obviously you learn so much from your parents early on that you kind of start taking on traits of them. Uh, but most importantly for me, uh, the guys that are out there making uh, the team, everybody else around them better. Uh, if you can make guys around you better, um, you know, maybe you're not doing everything right off the field and maybe you're not doing everything right on the field, but if you're making guys around you better, uh, for me, that's a leader. That's massive. That's massive. Make those around you better. Um, and you obviously did that. Everybody in this room's done that. A lot of people that we've learned from have done that. But your parents have done that, dude. K-Mac and Day-Mac, legendary. They make you guys better. They make me better just hearing them on the phone. I love them. They're so cool. They're so amazing. Um, quick shout-out to them. I like giving shout-outs. Shawshank, what do you got for me? Yeah, I mean, just – I like – Athletes that are empowered to think for themselves and have a get-to mentality – not a have to, you know what I mean? So that's, that's one. Another is growth mindset. Like they're always just trying to improve. Like the best players are always the ones that are trying to improve. We have a, 
sports psychologist that works with the Bucks, and he always talks about Giannis at the Takumbo, or I don't know how do you pronounce it for the Bucks, but he's like the best player in the NBA right now. Um, besides maybe LeBron, sorry, Wilkes. Um, but uh, he uh, he's just always trying to improve. Obviously, he's a freak athletically, but he's elite mentality-wise, always trying to improve. So growth mindset, obviously selfless. But to me, I think people get that wrong. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're just always others first, always. I mean, you have to take care of yourself and have good habits so that you can bring value in, to others and, and get, make others better. And so you can, you can handle the, your environment the best. Um, but it's just bringing, uh, you know, value to the group. Uh, another is also being a leader does not mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. You have to be accountable um, and honest. Um, so no excuses. Like if, if you fail or mess up, it's not a, a negative thing. It's just an opportunity to improve. So you, so you have to be accountable and honest. Um, and guys that aren't and that are trying to protect their ego subconsciously by covering their tracks, like making excuses, that they're not going to improve as well as the guy that's just, you know what, uh, yeah, I messed up. Let's, let's move forward. Let's figure out how to get better. Um, but, yeah, and then just trustworthy, just showing up every day, um, you know, and the best they can be. So, And then one more thing is just – I'm going over time, but, but being, <laughs> like being deliberate in practice like um like obviously putting in the work putting in the man hours they have to do that but when you're at practice when you're doing it it's deliberate you're doing everything on purpose and you're trying to you're 100 percent focused to get the most out of that practice um and i think to go off a kobe bryant quote that would be like he says it's not necessarily the amount of hours you practice but it's amount it's the amount of hours that you're present during practice so i think that's a big thing to think about as well that's huge man you mentioned the ego i think your ego can get in the way or it can serve you i think can get in the way of others or it can serve others um, and that's a big big deal i think we all have an ego i think the ego feeds us a little bit sometimes in a good way too and it helps us get to where we want to go but we've got to understand how to maintain that ego in the right way and like humble ourselves right and and ask questions and still admit be vulnerable admit when we're wrong and move on because then a lot of those issues and problems we snip them right there rather than allowing one little instance on a miscommunication to lead to the rest of the year having issues with whoever that is your coach your athletes um the kids on the team whatever that may be um Wiss, what do you got for me my brother yeah man all that all that was great i think big piece for me is we want a guy that's going to be able to take the full you know get bucked off the horse and get right back on the saddle. That's the kind of guy that I think can make people around him better. Like you guys were talking about, um, just, just simply put, I mean, you, you strike out, you're not taking that at bat to the field. You know, a guy that you would never know has had a bad day. He's just like, we've talked about consistency on this. Um, he, he's the same dude every day. And, and because he's so consistent, he, he's able to wear his consistency off in a sense onto his teammates. I mean, that's the guy that we want, a guy that's um, boots a ball, throws it back to the pitcher and says, hey, give me an arm. I got your double player right here coming up. Give me another ground ball, you know what I mean? That kind of guy. Uh, just to be able to wear punches today is 
that fear of failure and not being able to accept it. So when you talk about leadership, that's a guy we want as a guy that's going to be able to, to learn from his failures and get right back in the saddle and, and, and tow it up with the next guy. That's the guy we want. Love that, man. Being able to get back on the saddle, dude. You always got a good analogy for that. I love analogies because it paints a picture. You get bucked off a little bit. Crazy horse starts from freaking throw you in the dumps. Well, guess what? I'm hopping back up on that saddle. I'm taming that son of a gun, dude. It's not happening. Not on my watch. <laughs> Wilkes, what do you got for me, dude? Close this off. Yeah. Yeah. So what I what I kind of talk to our guys about is, you know, it, it's we we have a thing to where I'm sure you guys have heard of the level five, you know, player and everything like that. And I kind of got it from Musselman. Musselman was obviously the head coach of Nevada basketball for a couple years. And, you know, kind of what we do is instead of the level five leader, it's the level five pitcher. And, you know, it's all about winning. And, you know, when we're on that field and we're playing against another team, you know, it's not about yourself. It's about the team and you're there to win you know you're not worrying about your stats you're not worrying about not giving up a hit you know we don't we don't care about that stuff you know and what we do kind of after the game is I, I bought I bought him a necklace you know a big turnover chain and it has level five on it and whoever you know demonstrates you know the, the player that or the pitcher that did the best you know on the field or they got the key out, you know, for us to win that game. They're going to get the chain and they're going to present it, you know, to the next guy in the huddle. So for me, you know, I, I want guys that are all about winning and it, it, it's selfless. You know, you, you got to be selfless. And, you know, like, uh, like you guys were talking about, you know, the ego, it, it gets ahead of yourself. And, you know, you want to have these great stats, you know, this great ERA, and you know all these strikeouts but you know it's not about that you know what one of the things that we go over kind of the first day is you know the standard you know what are what are our standards you know I want guys that have really high standards for themselves because if they don't have high standards then how are they going to become a better player when they come to Dixie you know you're, you're just going to go through the motions out of practice and through the weight room so if, if your standard you don't want high and if you don't want to be that then I don't know what to tell you you know so it's just about for me you know do you have high standards for the things that you do on the field and off the field are you showing up to the classroom are you getting your study hall hours in are you turning in your homework are you getting good grades you know it's all these things that come into play so for me, it's a combination of the, you know, how do you hold yourself, you know, to, to the standard of other people. I love that. I love that. Just holding yourself to a higher standard and expectation for yourself. Yes. I mean, just setting the standards on your own, not letting others dictate yours. Like, you dictate the standards. Like you, you've got to be able to have that self-accountability to keep yourself on track, keep yourself locked in, keep yourself on the right motives for, for your mission, for your dream, for your goal, whatever purpose. And, and tackle mission that is for you um this was great this was great guys i appreciate you guys tuning in for the first one um once again dugout coalition we're collabing we're, we're just bringing more value i think it's the biggest thing during this time yeah we may not be able to be on the field with our athletes with the guys that we love to coach and play with and be around but guess what we can inspire some people this way 
whether it's a coach out there, whether it's an athlete, a parent, somebody who's going through a tough time, maybe somebody's career that just got ended out of nowhere because it's totally out of their circumstances and out of their control, but it got axed like that and you don't know what's going to happen next year. Like, take a listen to some of these guys. These dudes have been through the ringer. They've been through some crazy situations. They've been coached and coaching under some of the greatest coaches of literally probably all time um, if we had to really go back and look at it. And the wisdom that they're able to share with us, we're able to learn a lot. I mean, I got five, I got to do my math because I'm not a math major, but I got five sticky notes over here of individual just notes that I want to just throw into a book already. Like, let's just freaking line this thing up. Let's make it a book and we'll all co-author it. But I think it's beautiful to be able to hear different perspectives from different people in different areas in the country and different programs at all different levels. I and mean, we've got D1, D2, D3, JUCO, all the above. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, how similar a lot of these principles are. And if you're a kid out there looking for a school to go to, look at this. Like, this is what people are looking for in you. It's not always your physical ability. It's how you handle yourself, how you carry yourself, how you empower your teammates. If you're a coach out there looking to take that next step, leadership starts from the top down. Like, it's not a bottom-up procedure. Like, you are the one setting the tone for your team and your organization. And you can have people come in and help instill that in your athletes. But if you don't employ that as a leader, on the team as the head honcho, as the AD of the school, of the principal of the school, wherever your leadership position is, it falls under you. We see it with the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I see it with my, with my parents' works. I see it with um, my own life. I see it with going to some of these schools that I work with. I see it within your guys' organizations and the head coaches that are part of your organizations and the ADs that are involved in some of these, good and bad. Like We see it from the top down. And you've got to set that example, set that tone. So, fellas, if you have any closing remarks, let it rip, but this was great. This is a great first start. I'm excited to chop this up, dive into it, and get it rolling. Appreciate you guys Thanks. coming on. Thanks for having us, man. This has been awesome. Yep. Love you guys. Of course. Love you all. We're supposed <laughs> to you gas you up, Byler. What's that? Yeah. been gassing everybody up. We're supposed to give you your props. <laughs> <laughs> give me the gas. Give me the 30-second rundown, Wiss. Kyger Stadium bomb. Well, proud of you, man. Thanks for doing this. Honestly, this is awesome. Yeah, hey, yeah. you can, Zach. Yeah. You as well, man. Great dudes. Can't wait to do yeah. this again. Yeah, yeah man. Pumped to be a part of this deal. This is fun. Let's keep it rolling. Wrestler wisdom, bro. Hey, and like <laughs> the legend, <laughs> dude, like the legend, Ezekiel Elliott. We eat and baby. Let's go, Cowboys. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>